Hi friends, I'm super excited to announce that I am going to be speaking at the Health Optimization Summit in London this June 15th and 16th. I will be talking about balancing hormones, health and hustle for high achieving women. And I'm also going to be hosting a menopause panel with Dr. Mindy Pels and Dr. Stephanie Estima. So if you haven't got your ticket yet, then head over to summit.healthoptimization.com. And if you enter code ANGELA10, you'll get 10% off your ticket. There are so many amazing experts this year, uh, including Ben Greenville, Dr. Mindy Pels, Dr. Stephanie Estima, as I've mentioned, Dr. Stephen Gundry, JJ Virgin, many of whom have actually been on this show. So head over to summit.healthoptimization.com and enter code ANGELA10 at checkout and be sure to come over and say hi. Fasting has a lot of benefits. I worked in a fasting program in its heyday in 2017. But if you are already depleted, this is not for you. It's making it worse. And so at a very basic level, you're undernourishing. You're listening to the High Performance Health Podcast, helping you optimize your health, performance, and longevity. My name is Angela Foster, and I'm a former corporate lawyer and high performance health coach. Each week, I bring you cutting edge biohacks, inspiring insights, and high performance habits to unlock optimal health, performance, and longevity. So excited that you've chosen to join me today. Now let's dive in. Hi friends, in this week's episode, we're going to be talking all about thyroid function and the importance of good adrenal function in terms of our overall endocrine system and hormonal health. We also touch on ADHD, we talk about how minerals are really, really important to this process and how to fuel your body for high energy, why fasting might not be the best thing. My guest today is Krista Beegler. She's an award-winning dietitian, nutritionist, and host of the Less Stressed Life podcast. She's also the author of the eczema relief diet and cookbook and she helps women overcome their fatigue and burnout i think you're going to enjoy this episode there's lots of information in it as always all of the show notes are over on my website angelafosterperformance.com but let me now introduce you to krista Beaver. Krista, it is so cool to have you here today. I've been really looking forward to chatting to you. You and I kind of, we were chatting offline before the show and you and I very much have, I think, a similar approach of really helping and empowering women. Um, So firstly, a very warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed interviewing you. And I think we share some mentors or some brain cells on things that we are attracted to for sure, even though we maybe go about it in different ways, which I love because there's always more than one way to accomplish these similar outcomes. Yeah, for sure. I can't actually even remember how we first connected, but um, I think sometimes the universe brings people together. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's kick off with your story. I know a bit like me, you help women with burnout, um, with adrenal function. How did this all, how did, where did your journey begin? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to give you a, a more concise version of the origin story and bring you up to the second uh, health crisis. So the first one was having a couple small children, working, creating a new business, you know, that like boom, 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 all the things. Um, and I had a massive skin outbreak 
And so I had a rash kind of covering my face, my eyes, my neck. And that took a while to resolve because it was hard to find someone to help me in that area. So it took longer than it should have. But a lot of gut and liver work was kind of the answer to that. And so then I was very clear. Everything was good. And then years later, it was like I had recurrent or relapsing gut and motility issues. And I thought, well, this doesn't really make sense. Why would we have these issues? Well, the common denominator is some version of stress, but really the version that presented for me, which is kind of my favorite clinical picture is I had a sluggish thyroid that didn't show up on thyroid blood labs. And I had sluggish adrenal function, which if you know anything about testing adrenal function, our testing for it is not going to be common. It's not going to be good. It's going to, you're the only real diagnostics we have for adrenal function, which maybe we should like unpack adrenals a little bit is um, if I feel like if you're almost dead, Addison's or um, the other Cushing's disease, right? Where it's like, there is no function. And those are extreme, extreme situations where probably you're going to be hospitalized if it shows up in that way. But the problems occur much, much, much earlier. And when you have this kind of sluggish adrenal slash thyroid picture, despite what shows up on labs, which is so common for people, right? I don't really feel like myself. I don't feel great. I remember just not having any energy to pick up the house with small kids, like late in the afternoon, like absolutely not. Like I just, and I never thought as a high performance person, I feel that the word fatigue is sometimes like a really negative word that we would not resonate with. Right. But everyone would want more energy. And so I think there's just such a little nuance with high performers where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know what your Enneagram is, but I'm a three. So I'm an achiever. And so it's like a blessing and a curse, right? Where it's like, there's certain words you're going to resonate and there's certain words you're not going to resonate with. So for example, I didn't resonate necessarily with the word brain fog or fatigue, but brain fog, I could have resonated with having a squirrel brain or feeling like I had to jump from topic to topic to topic. Um, I just thought I had undiagnosed ADHD. And then I started supporting my thyroid and I was like, Whoa, I am a laser focused machine when I'm supporting my thyroid. And then I start looking at the symptoms between ADHD and thyroid sluggish thyroid. I'm like, these are very similar. (laughs) These are very similar. What if some of this stuff is actually just an underperforming hormone system. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of a little bit, that's like a, an abbreviated version of how, you know, my story was, which is so often my client's stories. And so the answer then was what are the sub, what are all the nutrients that go into making these systems work and come into balance optimally. And so until I did that, I just kept relapsing in my like gut health journey Um, and relapsing in a way that I knew what I could do, but I was very discontent by it because as an achiever, you don't want to go backwards. You're like, I I already fixed this problem. So why am I going backwards? But stress is kind of the great equalizer and stress will be the thing that kind of pulls us backwards no matter what. There's so many mechanisms of which, and again, maybe stress is like, it's kind of a a negative word for a high achiever, but, (laughs) but these, these stressors that are somewhat inevitable, they have these downstream physiological effects in the body. And I feel like that comes up all the time. And I think that awareness is your first defense, right? It's your greatest, it's your, it's your greatest ally and biggest defense on, um, I don't know if I want to say mastering your body, but just feeling, feeling like you're most in balance in your body and feeling your best in your body. So that's a kind of, kind of the story a little bit. You can do what you want with that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, there's quite a lot there that I definitely want to unpack because I think um, for people listening, they, I think, I think many people listening will resonate with what you said there. There's so many people actually that have 
a thyroid issue in some form or another. Um, And even if they don't know it, so many people are suffering with it. And what you were saying there around the sort of scattered thinking, the inability to concentrate or focus on one thing and the link with thyroid health is super interesting. So before we dive into that, let's talk about the thyroid so that people can get a really good picture. Everyone's familiar that the thyroid is important and probably have some kind of idea that it interacts with stress and adrenal function uh, and also sex hormones. But why don't we do a kind of whistle-stop tour for listeners of an easy understanding of why thyroid health is so important and how it might be impacting them in different ways. Totally. If it's okay with you, I want to zoom out even just a little bit more above thyroid health for a moment, because people ask a common conversation is my hormones are out of balance. And what I wish people understood a little bit is there's a lot to be said about hormones when you say my hormones are out of balance. So zooming out above thyroid a little bit, there's the ovarian adrenal thyroid access, the oat access. So your ovarian Your ovaries produce the majority of your sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, and some testosterone. And by the way, when you go into perimenopause and menopause, your adrenals take the brunt of any of that production typically. So ovaries, adrenals produce aldosterone, which helps control blood pressure. They produce DHEA, which helps control um, blood sugar and lipids. And big one, if if you have burnout, if like you're struggling to go more than a few hours between meals, your DHEA is probably low due to adrenal burnout. Um, and then the thing that we know most about from adrenals is cortisol, right? That's, I always call it the darling stress hormone, right? It's your fight or flight. It's your running from a tiger. And when you have cortisol elevating, I always think of it kind of like a speedometer. It's like, there's the speed limit. And then often we tend to be speeding. And I know that was kind of like your story too. So for so many of us, it's like, we're speeding. And then when you run out of gas, cause you go through, you burn through more energy when you're speeding, when you run out of gas, that's that low adrenal function where you're not even producing these hormones. But when it's high, when you're speeding, your body takes blood flow and moves it to the periphery to literally run from the tiger and takes it away from the central area, which is where all your organs are. So for people dealing with fertility issues, gut issues, et cetera, there's not like adequate blood flow in that area when cortisol is elevated. And then of course there's massive challenges. What happens to the minerals when those are elevated? So let's come back to that later. (laughs) It's kind of like the big crux of it. And then there's the thyroid hormone. So ovarian, adrenal, thyroid. And so when one of these Often people, when they say their hormones are off, that could mean lots of things. They're like feeling tired. They're not feeling good. Or maybe they're pursuing fertility or there's something with their menstrual cycle. I would say the ovarian hormones, the most critical is the adrenal. That's the most essential. Like if you don't have cortisol, you die. It's the most essential. And so that one is almost at the top of the triangle to me. If that one isn't working, then the other two sides of the triangle, the ovaries and the thyroid aren't going to do their thing. So now to the thyroid, zooming into the thyroid. Some people, I like to talk about thyroid and metabolism a little bit interchangeably. Some people want a little more nuance than that, but for the purpose of this conversation, I think it's totally fine. So thyroid and metabolism are very intermixed, interconnected, um, synergistic parallel. So when we think about metabolism, it's almost like the heat of the body. So when we're thinking about thyroid, I think the thing that makes us resonate the most is symptoms. So let's talk about symptoms of thyroid, because I always think your symptoms matter more than your lab results, because there's nothing more frustrating to a woman looking for answers, being an advocate for herself, asking for even the right test results. And then the test results come back normal. And it's like, well, I guess 
I'm normal, but I don't feel amazing. Right. So I think symptoms are important for starting to find these patterns. So the top thyroid symptoms, which I did not resonate with, I resonate with different ones. The top ones that are just dead ringers would be fatigue. Again, we talked about the challenges around that. So just maybe like not great energy rising, maybe wired and tired. So fatigue of some sort, hair loss, um, pronounced hair loss, and then feeling cold. Um, when it's really severe, it's like chilled to the bone. That's when maybe you're going to show up positive on some thyroid labs being off and then otherwise like cold extremities. And for me, I only noticed increased hair loss and cold extremities under times of prolonged stress more than a few days. I would notice those a little bit, but they were not enough to interfere with my life. So I often just like forgot or discarded them. Some other thyroid symptoms. So talking about mental health for a moment and really postpartum stuff. I know that was part of your story as well. So when you're pregnant and postpartum, your thyroid needs the nutrients for the thyroid go up dramatically, of course, right? Like you're raising a human and then postpartum, there's a lot of recovery. So those are times when people end up with more thyroid symptoms during, during pregnancy and postpartum. And so, um, also you see a 25 and 30% increase in depression and anxiety when thyroid is not working optimally. Right. So it's like one one thing, it's like one domino and then a bunch of dominoes fall. Other thyroid symptoms that were more common for me would have been sluggish motility. I always call it the birdbath effect. It's like stagnation in the gut and the motility. Um, and once you have stagnation, then you can have kind of like bacteria, et cetera, grow. So fungal overgrowth can be a hallmark of sluggish thyroid, where it just kind of keeps coming back with that lower, slightly lower body temperature, just slightly lower body temperature allows that kind of fester and grow more, um, dry skin. The thyroid is metabolized partially through the liver as is bile acids. So, you know, these are like, again, just interconnected related, like nothing's in a silo. It's like what systems are all impacted here. So dry skin, especially dry feet can be a big one. Um, sometimes losing outer third of ear eyebrow hair is a big one. Um, gosh, there is a, a ton of them and I can pull up a list, but, but those are some of the thyroid symptoms I see all the time. And, um, so talking about thyroid again, ovarian, adrenal thyroid symptoms of thyroid. And then when we're thinking about thyroid, do you want to talk about like testing a little bit? Cause I, I don't remember the original qu question, but it was like, let's talk about unpack thyroid a little bit. And so I wanted yeah, to so start an overview that, of thyroid, give you a chance. Um, <laughs> it was an overview of thyroid, which I think you've explained really, really super well for people and how that interacts with uh, sex hormone production and also adrenal function. Uh, the question that I thought was really interesting was when you were talking, which people often don't think about, they assume thyroid function. Yes. Metabolism that makes a big Im impact. Right. Um, and I think, um, some people have an awareness around a drop in mood, depressive like symptoms when thyroid uh, function is poor. What was interesting was what you were saying around ADHD and scattered mm -hmm. thinking, because I think oh, yeah, this brain is fog. Where, yeah, and maybe not even, I mean, there's brain fog and then there's also just this inability to focus and concentrate, which I think is endemic in current society. Part And, and lots of people are thinking, this is because of social media use and because we've got so many things being thrown at us, right? We're on multiple platforms and then there's email and then there's this and, you know, WhatsApp and all these different things. And that is definitely having an impact, I think, on focus and concentration and the ability to find sort of a flow state. But what have you found specifically in relation to thyroid function and how that might be affecting a bit of people's ability to concentrate? Um, so it's technically all under the brain fog umbrella. It's just how we resonate. And there's another symptom 
very similar to me to brain fog, which is, it's not similar in like how it presents, but the way people interpret it. When I talk to people about an unrelated topic, heartburn, I often have to use the word indigestion, burping, um, and, and some other words as well, just because people don't always resonate with that one word. And like, I don't always resonate with brain fog, but brain fog still means when you walk into a different room and you forgot why you went into that room <laughs> and scatter thinking and just not a clear, clear brain. And so of course there's multiple things. I mean, I could bandaid this with nootropics and do, does lion's mane help? for sure. But supporting my thyroid at just a basic level, the nutrients that support thyroid massively help it as well. So it's technically under the umbrella of what we would call brain fog. It's just not necessarily a resonant term. So whether you want to say like skipping around, I've got a post, I think on like overlap, like a Venn diagram of like ADHD and thyroid symptoms. Cause when people talk about their ADHD symptoms, I always thought about scattered brain, but I think there's some other symptoms that people attribute to ADHD. I'm like, still just sounds like thyroid stuff to me. And so it's worth investigation, but the problem is, so this is where I always, I pause, you know, it's like a simple question. People say, I want to test my hormones. Okay, great. What's the next question? Which hormones need to be tested? Well, the answer to that is which symptoms do you have? Okay. Now here's the next problem. What if the testing isn't very good? Which is true. <laughs> so, so when you go ask, at least in the States, when you go ask for a thyroid test, when you ask for a full thyroid panel, they, when you ask to test your thyroid, they will test TSH. TSH is not even a thyroid hormone. It is an alarm clock to, um, it's a pituitary hormone. That's an alarm clock that sends out messaging to essentially wake up and produce thyroid hormone. So the alarm clock wakes up T4, um, which is the other. So if you ask for a full panel, they will usually order a TSH and a T4 that is not comprehensive, but so the, the alarm clock wakes you up, wakes the system up. And then T4 is the inactive. Hasn't gone to work yet. Getting dressed, doing the makeup, doing the hair. And then you drive on the freeway to work. And if you check into work, it's T3, the active hormone. So that's often not test tested. If you get stressed, distracted, whatever, if you have elevated stress, cortisol, you accidentally talk, take the wrong exit and you go the wrong way. That's reverse T3. So going the wrong way. So if reverse T3 is elevated, that's usually a stress marker. And by the way, if it's not elevated, it doesn't mean you don't have any stressors. It might just present in a different manner. And then antibodies. Antibodies are thyroglobulin and, um, Oh, I'm like blanking on the thyroid peroxidase, TP and TG antibodies when either, and sometimes, and here's what makes this kind of fun is different countries. We have a little different um, ways we do the measurement units. And then sometimes we call those terms a little bit different depending on country. So if your test isn't exactly the same, sometimes there's multiple names for the exact same lab, which is confusing. Um, so if these antibodies are elevated, there's usually a gut component as well, signaling to the thyroid that something is off. And then the immune system gets more involved because the gut is, a, is when we're talking about immune system, we have to talk about gut function. Like mm. there's overlap there. So you know, that's to me, like this conversation gets, it doesn't have, like there's answers here. There's answers and there's simple answers and there's things that you can do that could be dramatically improve um, what you're, what everyone's doing right now. But to go back to, if, if, it's, if I can for a second, if I go back to why do the adrenals impact thyroid so much, let's just draw a really quick connection here. When your cortisol goes up, it dumps out 
a mineral called potassium, which we're familiar with, but it's not natural for us to, we dump out a lot of it and it's not natural for us to replete it in the way that we should replete it. My favorite thing, I actually had a client do that, like a very high performing client do this recently. Um, her potassium was very, very depleted. And she went and bought, tried to buy a supplement for it. That was like potassium chloride. And I was like, this is, does not actually help. <laughs> like food does like food is much superior, which is so cool, um, for repleting potassium, but it's very easy to dump out the potassium, which is a huge problem because potassium is one of the cofactors for digestive enzyme status. So now digestion slowed down. It's one of the cofactors for checking thyroid into the cell. So now thyroid function is slowed down. And it's one of the cofactors for checking glucose into the cell. So now energy is slowed down, which it was already slowed down with, with thyroid. How simple yet how easily missed because our, our body is so cool that it's constantly trying to like steal things from other places to keep us in homeostasis. So if you go and get like a basic blood lab, usually if those, if you're studying potassium are out of balance, you might end up being admitted to the hospital because you feel faint, you feel icky, you're like going to pass out. Um, so usually your body is really good at trying to create at least a blood level of homeostasis, but in the tissue, it doesn't have any extra reserves to go do these critical tasks. So you just slowly get tired. Your thyroid slowly can't function. So again, adrenal, the cortisol dumps the potassium. This potassium does all these other functions, kind of like any nutrient. If you start to study it, it's like, oh, it does all these things. And now the thyroid doesn't function as well. So I always feel, you know, if the, if the adrenals don't work beautifully, then the thyroid's never going to work beautifully. And so often we're kind of chasing labs, like the TSH is out of range and we go on medication, which is a whole different thing. I'm like a huge fan of the, before it shows up on the labs, here's all the things that can be supported. So I'm a jabber box. So I kind of jump around a little bit, trying to pull it all together. So feel free to refocus me on your questions. <laughs> listen to this podcast you're probably like me you want to have high energy every day to achieve everything you want to while also protecting your health span and longevity and for the last six months i've been taking a supplement called nad regen by biostat labs not only does it contain a powerful combination of niacinamide nad3 and resveratrol which support nad also known as the molecule of youth, it has spermidine in it. And spermidine helps inhibit many of the hallmarks of aging. It also supports better cognition, improved memory, heart health, and circadian rhythm. And I'll tell you what I've noticed since taking NAD Regen is consistently high energy, which is a huge bonus, given that I'm always juggling the demands of running both my businesses alongside my kids and all of their activities and my daily workouts. And I've also noticed a lot of new hair growth, which is common with spermidine. The beauty benefits are, of course, always welcome. So after experiencing all these benefits, I wanted you to experience similar ones. And so I've arranged a very special offer with our sponsors, Biostat Labs. When you buy two bottles of NAD Regen, Biostat Labs are giving listeners of this show a free bottle of GD Aid, their glucose supplement that contains the very best ingredients for all-round metabolic health. I take NAD Regen in the morning in a fasted state before my workout to amplify the autophagy boosting effects and then GDA just before my most carb heavy meal of the day to blunt the glucose spike. To get your free bottle of GDA and all the energy and health promoting benefits of NAD Regen, head over to biostacklabs.com forward slash Angela. And when you purchase two bottles of NAD Regen, Biostat Labs will send you a free bottle of GD Aid. That's biostatlabs.com forward slash Angela to get your exclusive offer. I'm inviting you to join our newly opened high performance health 
Facebook group where we're all about unlocking our utmost potential. If you are a fellow biohacker, a coach, or a woman with an entrepreneurial spirit looking for peak performance, then our community of ambitious women is just for you. But it's not just about connecting with like-minded women. It's about empowering each other. We have weekly live training, Q&As, and a bunch of other exclusive content that I don't get the chance to share anywhere else. New biohacks I'm exploring, plus extra nuggets of wisdom from my podcast guests, and so much more. It's free to join. Simply click the top link in the show notes or go to angelafoster.me forward slash HP. That's angelafoster.me forward slash HPH or click the top link in the show notes. And once inside, send me a message so we can connect personally. I can't wait to see you there. Well, I think what's interesting there is for many people, they probably aren't thinking about their mineral balance and their potassium um, and sodium. And I think it's something that like you, I see and a lot of high performers, because I think a lot, many people are unaware that when you are kind of burning out the adrenals, you're burning out your minerals so much. You were saying there how you found potassium to be really much more bioavailable in food. Um, what kind of foods are you asking your clients to eat to redress that balance? And how do you also look at um, sodium? And do you use like different mineral salts? Like what, what, what's the focus there mm-hmm. when you're working with them? Yeah, totally. So the average person should get two to 3000 milligrams of potassium per day. When people are not at adequate levels of potassium, which is a lot of, a lot of my clients. Um, and I, I see that on a mineral analysis, like a hair tissue mineral analysis, which seemed okay. I first learned about it like 13 years ago, discarded him, you know, was re my eyes were reopened to about three, three and a half years ago which is helpful because we're in like this massive epidemic of like all time stress high and minerals are simply the downstream effect of like, what has your stress done? You've, we've always known like, Oh, stress dumps out magnesium, but really sodium potassium are the doorkeepers of each cell. So if your Mm -hmm. sodium potassium are depleted, you can just take all the magnesium you want and you're not going to retain this, right? Like there's cofactors for retaining minerals. So you're not going to retain it because the doorway is not even open or it's kind of blocking the doorway on the potassium getting in. Another thing I, you said something offline about as we get older, which we all do, um, sometimes these minerals getting more and more depleted with inflammation, which happens in a variety of ways, it dries up kind of the cell membranes. And so then you can't get minerals into the cell. So sodium potassium are the doormen. And so you must have adequate sodium potassium to even make that pump, the sodium potassium pump in the cell function. So these two go first, like on Noah's Ark, sodium potassium are the first two in the door. Everyone else, like, and then there's a two by two after that. So sodium is a little bit easier because we can use mineral salts. We can salt our food. Um, That is a little bit easier for people to replete, but it's just unnatural. As I said before, for potassium, for people to consume the amount of potassium needed. So here are some foods that are very rich in potassium. Um, so again, I'm going to go over these numbers because really you have to count the numbers for a few days just to see where it's at. Cause it's like, oh, that was actually more challenging than I thought to get that amount mm. of food-based potassium. So again, the average person needs two to 3000 milligrams of potassium. I recommend three to 4,000, the worst case scenario, there's not going to be like an overdose or anything. It's just that sometimes your cell can't take it all in. Cause you know, some people would just, they would be like, cool. I'll just like do 3000 all at once or 4,000 all at once. Sometimes your body can't do that. If it's like super depleted or that membrane is kind of dried up 
a little bit. It like it needs a little support. So worst case scenario is you may have a little loose stool because um, you're doing too much at once. You need to spread it out and go a little bit slower. That's the only real negative. Um, and it's pretty uncommon, honestly, but it could happen. So foods to help you get to that 3000, let's just shoot for 3000, at least Mark, um, a cup of coconut water has 600 milligrams of potassium. Um, my top three foods, um, would be potatoes with skin. So if you take the skins off, you've reduced the potassium by half the nutrients are in the skin. So, uh, like a medium ish potato, like again, what's medium, white I mean, potato, like, sweet potato, White potato or sweet potato is fine, either one. So, um, and I can't tell you the difference of potassium between the two. It's fine. Like in general, I'm a fan of these nutrient dense carbohydrates. It's amazing to me how many people have been taught that potatoes are like not good. Like um, they're actually extremely nutrient rich, but we can all have our own opinions about things, right? So potatoes, avocados, and bananas are some of the very richest, right? So all of those, if you kind of have a medium ish sized one, you're somewhere between six and 900 milligrams of potassium. Well, here's the thing, right? What I wanted to remind you, because you've raised something really important here, is so many people that I see, I don't know about you, because I think there's been a lot on social media around controlling blood sugar, is they're mm -hmm. obsessed with keeping and wearing CGMs and keeping their blood sugar within this super tight range that they go really low carb, which now, obviously, these foods are fantastic sources of minerals. Putting aside the avocado, right? The bananas, mm -hmm. the potatoes, people start to become nervous of eating them. Mm -hmm. That then potassium deficiency is driving yet more problems with metabolism and blood glucose control. So now they think they can't tolerate them. And the more you move away from these foods, the less able you are to tolerate them. This is what concerns me when we get hung up on one area of health and we go, right, must mm -hmm. control blood sugar and nothing mm -hmm. else. Because Well, if you're... Yeah. If you're depleted in this area, like you just said, and your adrenals are not in good shape, that that education, you weren't going to be able to manage your blood sugar regardless, because exactly. if your adrenals are sluggish, you're not going to produce DHEA hormone, which helps control the um, blood sugar. Plus let's not even get into all the mineral cofactors necessary for helping manage blood sugar. So you can't just, you know what this is, it's this obsession for controlling, mm. right? This is like, we want to control everything. We never want to have to learn from our failures, right? Probably because of whatever inside of us for long-term, but that's like, what it breaks down to is like so many of our issues are just hung up in control of wanting to control every outcome, everything. Like, let me try to control these numbers. One of my favorite mentors on thyroid, he doesn't even check blood labs for thyroid after like a baseline. He just like quits doing it. Right. And like addresses it via other modalities. And I feel that I way see. as well, because I, um, I like, so David Brownstein, has written a couple of great books on, on thyroid health and, and many other topics, but, um, I was able to interview him and it was interesting to me. Like he just doesn't even run thyroid labs because I think people get obsessed with getting it to be perfect and blood labs are actually like, again, there's, there's two sides. They could be really helpful or they could be really frustrating for people because it's like not, I like mineral stuff because it's more long-term. Right. It's usually like, yeah, it's looking back months. longer and exactly when you're looking at, mm -hmm. but also what you say there around blood labs, people, how many people do you see? And it gets in the way of their healing because mm -hmm. they're literally going from kind of either month to month, which is crazy in some cases, right. Or at least quarterly of how can I improve my blood work? And, and mm -hmm. it's like a snapshot at that point in time. And that's the sole focus. It's interesting because I interviewed Dr. Isabella Vence, right. Who mm -hmm. um, has written books on thyroid and now recently adrenal mm -hmm. protocol. And she too has moved totally away from the lab testing for the vast majority of people because it's not accessible mm -hmm. to everyone and is showing you how you can heal your adrenals 
without actually doing any lab tests. Oh yeah. And even blood blood tests for adrenals are not going to be super useful unless your adrenals are totally fried and your DHEA comes back low. Mm. It's just not going to really show up very beautifully, which is why I, I think I mentioned this at a different time when for, for me, it's a bit of a game on like, what's the least amount of lab work I can do for the most ROI. And so mineral analysis has been really useful, but it, unfortunately it's just not the negative would be that it's not easy to interpret, um, automatically. It's not like toxicities and deficiencies only it's like patterns. So and it's quite a bit more. I think that's the thing yes. as well, ratios, which is complex. Right. So yeah. So it's a bit more nuanced, which is okay, but that's just nice to know because I think people were very everyone wants everything in a sound bite. So they just want to understand something in like 10 words or less, which I understand. And we all have to try, but I'm not this is not my forte. I'm like, well, let me explain the bigger picture to you because I want you, if you don't understand it, you're constantly just asking more questions. And if you understand the big context, then you can start to a- a- answer your own questions, which is simply just more important to me. Like I would rather you understand your bigger picture. Um, but yeah, blood work, like I find people, it causes so much stress. We actually spent hours and hours and hours developing this really like intensive spreadsheet on all these lab values. <laughs> and we abandoned it. Cause we're like, I don't know if we're really helping people. If we give them this information, like, I feel like then we're just inducing stress. And I was like, well, that's against our company values <laughs> and our core mission, you know, which is not to induce stress. So it's like the bigger picture is understanding how it all works together. So what have you found then, um, just to kind of round off in terms of supporting where you've talked a lot about minerals and the importance of it and how it affects that whole kind of trilogy, if you like, in terms of adrenal sex hormone and thyroid function. Um, what about the lifestyle behaviors that people should be embracing? Like how can high performers listening to this start to include more balance, um, in terms of like practices that they can develop that might be holistic practices alongside nutritional strategies that are going to support that high output so that they can perform at the highest level. Okay, perfect. So first up, I have to mention and give lift service. You talked about this on my podcast when you came on, you talked about a lot of biohacking processes that are very masculine and induce stress on the body. And I find a lot of people looking at biohacking things, inflammation, things, et cetera, are doing fasting. Now I get it. Fasting has a lot of benefits. I worked in a fasting program and it's heyday in 2017. But if you're already depleted, this is not for you. It's making it worse. And so at a very basic level, you're undernourishing. And as humans, things start out with the best intentions, and then they can kind of progress into the not best intentions. Example, might get some hate for this, but it's like someone has good intentions on trying a plant-based vegetarian diet. They do great for a couple of weeks, and then they go out to a restaurant with friends, and the option is noodles, you know, like not nutrient intense compared to other things with fasting. It's like, it becomes because of ease. It's like, before you know it, you're drinking coffee for breakfast, raising, spiking the cortisol and dumping nutrients and not nourishing with high density, like high nourishment foods. So I have to mention that first, cause it's really common. And mm. so sometimes when I see people depleted, like very depleted, um, I love when my clients are really honest, they're like, well, I was really under eating because of like fasting practices and other things um, for a long time. And one challenge is that we love immediate feedback. And so sometimes when people have gut issues and other things, when you do fasting, they're like, I feel really good on this. Like my brain is clear. It's like, cause you got a bunch of gut issues and you're starving them. Right. And so, um, so when you feel good on something, you do more and more and more of it, but I want to caution against, um, undernourishing that's actually, 
I forgot that part of my story. That was actually part of how I crashed was I was working in a fasting program and it was under development and it wasn't like we, you know, the exactly what I just said was me. I was like, oh, I can, I can have a window. And then before you know it, you're just eating coffee and then you miss lunch and then you miss breakfast and all these things. And so you're under nourishing and before you knew it, my adrenals and thyroid were looking real poor. So mm. I have to mention that because if, if we're missing that point, we're missing kind of everything after that. So, <laughs> so I have to mention that point. first, cause it's unfortunately common more. I mean, I see it constantly next up is adding minerals easily through the day. Remember that Tim Ferriss quote that we both love If this was easy. What it would look like. Awesome. First of all, don't like make sure all your salt is mineral salt in the U S we have this brand called Redmond's real salt. It's out of Utah. It's an inexpensive table salt. Yeah. We have that here in the UK. Perfect. Great. So otherwise Celtic or, um, any other Himalayan salts, all of those mineral salts are amazing. And after you get accustomed to those salts, really hard to consume other, um, really hard to consume regular salt. Like it's disgusting after that. So that's an easy one to switch that over. Then adding electrolytes. So I always just have my clients add electrolytes in some capacity. Are there better and worse ones? Of course. And once we look at mineral analysis, we can focus that. But if you just start with electrolytes, the majority of people are going to notice an improvement because they're your dump electrolytes are simply minerals. So you dump minerals in at the beginning of the day. Now you've given your body the fuel to, um, to, uh, charge like enzymes essentially for enzyme reactions to happen. And so my friend, Amanda calls them spark plugs for energy. And so you give your body some spark plugs for energy. And it's like, wow, I feel better (laughs) when I, and and the minerals help get hydration into the cell. How often do people feel kind of waterlogged? They're like drinking all the water. Well, let's say they're like a runner and like they're a hobby athlete. I think that was maybe, I think you mentioned that in passing. That's a lot of inflammation introduced in the body. Um, and there's a lot of nutrients dumped. And so if you dump the nutrients and you, you mess up that sodium potassium balance, you can't get nutrients in and out of the cell. Sometimes you, you're going to feel waterlogged just because you're so depleted in minerals. So you're drinking all the water, doing everything right. And you're still like, I'm just all puffy, right? Mm. That is a sneaky thyroid symptom, mm. odd puffiness. Like your face is kind of puffy and you just that, feel like not lot. muscular. That, yeah, exactly. A lot so of it's a very it's a really one. common thing. And when you feel like, well, I'm working out and then a common thing is like, I need to reduce body fat and actually do a body composition analysis and body fat is really low. And the reason you're not seeing the anal- the uh, the aesthetics that you want, right? The definition is because of the water issue. But I, f- mm-hmm. I don't know if you yeah. found this. I think there's a mineral issue. And also from an energetic perspective, sometimes it's indicative that you're, you're holding onto things that you need to let go mm-hmm. of almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say if you're fluctuating more than five pounds or two, two and a half kilos of body weight over a couple of days, that's inflammatory water weight that can be related to bigger picture of inflammation and inflammation is being informed by the nervous system. As you say, right. It's being informed by gut health. It's being informed by toxic burden, et cetera. So I think there's like more gravity of inflammation. Like if you're having massive swings, um, if it's like you feel puffy and just kind of, I don't know how else to describe it because I have been there. So I have empathy and I call it like just kind of feeling gross <laughs> and not feeling great. And just be, some people use the word fluffy and I don't really resonate with that term, but it's just kind of a weird, you know how you can be a body weight and you can feel strong and good in that body weight, or you could be that body weight and just feel kind of, Ugh. that's how I feel like the thyroid water yeah, retention, funky mineral imbalance one is it's like, I don't have the perfect terms. <laughs> 
<laughs> but this is well, how this is I how would describe feel. it in my clients. But people who are yeah. saying, oh, I feel, I feel like that. They think they maybe got a thyroid potential issue. They don't um, have the budget to keep testing, for example, or they're finding it difficult to do. Like some people feel sensitive around doing hair testing, right? They don't want to take a whole mm-hmm. bunch of hair out. What Because they're they already losing on? hair. Yeah, exactly. What can they have? So they already have a thyroid issue. They already have a thyroid issue. (laughs) Yeah, they should be focusing on their potassium. The biggest, the only real challenge here is when people they hear me talk about this and they're the only problem is like, people are like, Oh, I'm retaining more water. I was like, Oh, cause you're doing too much sodium to potassium. That's the problem. You need to do, be doing more potassium to sodium. There's an imbalance. So that's when you, what you find out mineral wise. And by the way, you can do mineral testing for like a hundred dollars and have it interpreted for $300, which is not crazy. So I'm just mentioning that for this person who should say, even, you know, it. even, even less actually I've found there's some really good, like hair tissue, um, specialists, like we were talking offline around um, Barton Scott and his company that will do it, as you say, for a, a small amount. And it is so insightful, I think, because you mm-hmm. made such a good point early on around how it looks bad. Right. I think um, when I was first chatting to Barton, it's like blood is you on your best behavior. This is looking at what's been going on for the last few months. What have you been up to and how much are you depleting those resources? And I agree. I think I think it's worth testing um if you can and and um and prioritizing that and working with someone who's highly skilled right like you are yeah. who actually understands the ratios and things and how they fit together because it isn't right it's something that's difficult to interpret on your own I I would say it is and just keep in mind that this didn't happen overnight and when you burn a house down like that you're not going to rebuild it in a few weeks and I think that's the hardest thing for people is they have these values, just like anyone with values, they like finally are validated with these values. They're doing the work, but if they're not changing the stressors coming in the nervous system, they're not going to see, they're going to feel better, but they're not going to move the needle like they need to. And that's an unfortunately common thing mm-hmm. too. It's like, well, where's your stress been this, this year? And so for me, when my potassium was really low and I got those lab results, it was a bit of a wake up call. It was like, that's weird. I don't even feel that stress. Isn't that a problem, right? That's the worst problem that high performers can have. It's like unrealized stress, right? You're just so good at managing it. You don't even realize it. And then you get a lab value. It's like, hmm, it appears that I've had some stress <laughs> over time, <laughs> but I always tell people that this could be from a very long term, right? Cause it's just not natural for you to replete it. So it could be going on for a long time before you actually did a test that showed it. It's just like blood labs. It's like, that could be affected by what your intake was the last 24 hours, 12 hours, five hours, eight hours. This is a lot longer. It keeps you a bit more honest because it's long-term. So um, in short, the answer to your question is do a lot more potassium and slowly start to see the magic happen <laughs> with food. And it does. Don't be it does. I've had low potassium and when you get it, when you address it, it feels completely different. And I think just become aware, right, of your behaviors as well, that you Mm -hmm. can't just expect to redress it, get it on balance, and then everything's fine. You don't need to take it anymore. Mm -hmm. Because if you keep burning it out all the time, you're going to be in that same situation quite quickly. Heart palpitations. I was doing my thyroid list um, mentally, (laughs) and I knew there was a lot that I missed. But you mentioned heart palpitations offline. That would be another potential thyroid symptom, right? Mm. As you bring these nutrients into balance, because, you know, here's the worst part of that is that women have these heart palpitations and they think they're going to have a heart. They think they're going to have a heart attack and really they've got a mineral imbalance. Minerals, minerals impact contractions of muscles and your heart's a muscle. How cool. 
right? So work on your minerals. It's amazing. So just nutrient density, nutrient dense foods. Um, and then I like, again, back to the, if it was easy, what it would it look like? I'm so copious with my mineral intake via electrolytes because it's an easy button, right? It's like, if I could change Are my there water electrolytes to be full of- that you take. I have taken a multitude of electrolytes over the years. I love the taste of element, but it is extremely low in potassium, high in sodium. Mm. So it's the wrong choice for maybe the audience that I was just discussing. I, I bring this up because my daughter is like, it tastes like you're drinking seawater. <laughs> like, I don't think so. I think it's delicious. Um, my friend Robin White labels a uh, an electrolyte called Ravi, R-A-Y-V-I, and it's coconut and bayo powder. I don't even know if I'm saying that fruit right, but it's a whole food powder. And it's also goes by the name of bumble root. It's out of originally, um, the company is from Montana and they do come in and out of stock a lot, but a tablespoon and a half of that is like 900 milligrams of potassium. I have looked for alternatives, but those are some ones I really like. You can also, uh, a teaspoon of cream of tartar has 500 milligrams of potassium. Occasionally it gives people some gas, but, um, you can add that well, to like things. I, I mean, that's like, uh, yeah. Upgraded for like dollars. some great ones. Cause you just drop them. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll just drop a whole bunch of minerals into my glass of water in the morning, whether than mm-hmm. lemon or something. And it's just a great way to, and you, yeah. can, put, and you I, can squeeze in like the iodine, selenium, anything that you need, according to your hair tissue analysis. Yeah. I'm not familiar with them. So I'm going to check them out because I always find getting enough potassium is kind of, and then it sounds like they're very good at like other trace minerals, which is good mm. as well. Um, yeah, I never heard. So like trace, trace minerals, you're going to find a lot in those mineral salts. Um, and on that note, don't forget about topical absorption. Like, and so it's really funny, the response people will give me from me encouraging them to take an Epsom salt bath or a even better, like an ancient sea salt bath. You're going to get more trace minerals from that type of salt, more expensive of salt, but better salt. Um, if you have your entire body submerged in this warm water, look at how much surface area you're able to absorb minerals through versus trying to take it orally. We're actually pretty inefficient at absorbing minerals orally through supplementation because of the different varieties. Some are more absorbable than others. And again, that phospholipid layer. So, um, kind of a telltale sign of like, you are not absorbing your minerals very well is if you get a loose stool. I've said this in different contexts before, but if you get kind of a loose stool, if you take, let's just say a vitamin or something, or if that's ever happened to you, you probably have a bit of an issue with your phospholipid layer and it's not getting into the cell. It's a great shout. I love that about the baths as well. You have some amazing graphics on your Instagram that people can find and so much knowledge. Please share, where can people find out more about you, about your work and connect with you, Krista? Yeah. Since we're on a podcast, my favorite platform because I'm a chatterbox is the podcast because then I can give more lip service to the bigger picture questions and answers. So my podcast is called the less stressed life, which I was just looking for a synonym for inflammation back in 2017. When I started it, it's been a fun umbrella of talking about all nutritional, structural, and emotional versions of health and stress. And so the less stressed life podcast, I'm at kristabigler.com and on Instagram, I am anti-inflammatory nutritionist. Awesome. Thank you. We will link to that in the show notes. This has been super fun. I think you've highlighted so many issues there, given people lots to think about, um, particularly in relation to minerals. And I think uh, super, super interesting. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. 
If you enjoy this podcast, visit femalebiohacker.com and be part of a special community of women looking to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. If you're tired of sifting through countless websites and books to find the answers to your questions about nutrition, fitness, hormones, mindset, spirituality, and biohacking, the search is over. I've done the research for you and every week we go live with in-depth masterclasses, Q&A calls and monthly challenges to help you transform your life. And when you join the collective, you'll have access to a wealth of information, including deep dive masterclasses and biohacking toolkits on our members' favorites like metabolic flexibility, gut health, stress and resiliency, and stepping into your most empowered self. Get access and be coached by me and my team and level up your health, career, and life all for less than a dollar a day. Go to femalebiohacker.com or click the link below to get started. And I'll see you on the inside.